Well, we're coming towards the end, another few more weeks. We're coming towards the end of a series where we've been looking at the life, uh, principally of Jacob, although we looked at his father's life briefly as an introduction, Isaac. They're key historical figures in the storyline of the Bible. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, grandfather, father, and son, are the, if you like, they're the, the founders of the, um, the people of God in the Old Testament, the people who become the Jews who are now called Israel. In fact, we hear that word, Israel, mentioned for the first time in our reading here this afternoon. Israel's been in the news absolutely all over our news for these past few weeks, hasn't it? Uh, I was listening to uh, a bit of a debate going on on the radio a few days ago where people were concerned about, obviously, the behavior of Israel. And uh, also we had uh, somebody who was a Jew concerned about the anti-Semitic uprising as a result of what was going on. She brought an interesting uh, point, which just made me think a little bit, uh, talking about the difference between the political Uh, nation of Israel and the Jewish people. That's an interesting little thing to just think about if it's something on your mind. Uh, But what we read here is actually the beginnings of that nation of Israel. And this man Jacob is the founder of it. We all have, uh, and this is Jacob's defining moment in his life. Most of us have a defining moment. Many of us don't realize that defining moment until perhaps we look back and we realize how incredibly uh, influential that moment in our lives was, whatever it might be. It's a, some have a few. Some of us have a few defining moments. But it's one of those uh, turning points or great statements that really captures our life. Uh, and to think about that, to dwell on that, to consider that, immediately asks the question, what is at the very core of our lives? If you were looking to define your life, looking to define my life, what would be at the very heart of that definition? What defines you or me as people? Um, some of the gre- be- best quotes are actually uh, from unknown sources or anonymous um, um, quotes. I I think this is brilliant, this definition. It says this. There is a defining moment in every person's life. Within that moment, everything that that person is shines its brightest. (laughs) I think that's really interesting, isn't it? A moment where everything that a person is shines its brightest. Interesting. I would say that in lots of ways, this moment for Jacob is the moment that everything that he is shines its brightest. And because of that, and because of the fact that it is recorded in the Bible, uh, for us thousands of years later to think about, to ponder gives us the opportunity to reflect, what does that say about that man? And therefore, what might the Bible from this ancient text be saying to me today? This happened thousands of years ago. 
It also happened uh, without anybody seeing it other than Jacob himself, the only person who saw it. Um, It's recorded because he shared his experience, passed down from one to another, and eventually gathered together in God's Word, and we read this event. In, In general terms, if we turn to that reading, we'll just kind of give that overview. It works like this. Jacob is on his way back to the land that God has promised him, having been away from that land uh, for many, many years. He went away by himself, as we've seen. He returns with great wealth, servants, and a, a significant family. The problem that he has is that his brother, which is the reason that he ran away in the first place, his brother wanted literally to kill him, because he stole his inheritance and blessing from his father as the younger brother, he he wants to kill him and, and he hears that after all of these years, he gets the message back that Esau is on his way to meet him. Now, uh, just put yourself in his sandals for a minute. Imagine what it must have been like. He's there, he's traveling back. He doesn't know what kind of response he's going to get from his brother Uh, Has he, after all of these years, has he calmed down? Are we going to be able to work things out? Are we going to be able to resolve things? And we've got Jacob going back, and he gets the message back that Esau is meeting, on, on his way to meet him, not with his family, but with a small army of men. A small army of men are on the way to meet Jacob and his family. I guess that Jacob's immediate thoughts there are all of those years, it's not calmed anything of Esau, and we are dead. We read at the beginning of this, this in verse 22, that night, as he's looking forward to the next day or so, which is going to be the critical moment, that night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. He split them up into different groups as well. We read that in the previous section. He's tried to do all that he can in human terms. In fact, he's even realized, real, uh, reasoned in his mind, if, if he saw attacks then if I split them up, he might attack one, they might be killed, but maybe the other group will survive. He's doing all that he can in human terms to try to resolve this desperate issue. And then we read these incredible words. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Wow. He's by himself... And actually the Hebrew suggests, gives this idea that what actually happened was that as Jacob sends his wives and his possessions across this stream, they're heading off into the distance. He's by himself. The suggestion, the implication is that as he's just probably, as we've read earlier, We find Jacob praying for the first time. Maybe he's just settling to pray. Wham! He gets literally, physically assaulted by this man. He gets attacked, physically hit, 
and he wrestles with this man right the way through the night. An incredible uh, assault. There's a man now, Jacob, who is in a life and death struggle. Probably most of you have got a favorite film and some of you will have, I'm guessing that not everybody in the room is going to have a favorite fight scene, but some of you will have a favorite fight scene. And um, I don't know whether anybody kind of resonates with uh, Neo versus Agent Smith in The Matrix, one of the great fight scenes of all time, that kind of ongoing battle and struggle. Well, actually, Jacob didn't do the kind of slow leaning back with, with bullets flying, but it's this kind of this picture of this relentless, relentless fight that is going on. That's what the narrator is trying to capture in our minds. He's there from evening until morning, fighting, struggling. Uh, If we look at that, there are a few things that just spring out. Remember I said earlier, a defining moment, which in that moment, everything that that person is shines its brightest. What do we know about Jacob? What we've seen up to now is a man whose approach to life is to wrestle, to struggle, to fight, to scheme with everybody around him. All of his life, is concentrated on this ongoing struggle to get a blessing. That's been his ongoing thing through his childhood, through his his experience with his older brother Esau and trying to get the blessing from his father Isaac uh, and then his uh, father-in-law Laban. And everything has been this ongoing fight, this ongoing struggle. If you could take Jacob's life and if you kind of shrunk it down, you could say that verse 26 captures his life where it says, uh, then the man said, let me go for its daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. It's been his life. Desperate to be blessed. Shrink his life into a night and you couldn't get a better picture of his life than wrestling all night. But it wasn't just a fight, was it? What this says is that very clearly, within minutes, Jacob got something. He understood something. As soon as he engaged with this this man that he was wrestling with, he understood something. That this person that I am wrestling with has the potential to bless me. Isn't that remarkable? This person has the potential to do me good to provide for me what I have been looking everywhere else. In lots of ways, I think in that sense, Jacob's life at this moment in time just speaks to so many of us, doesn't it, today? We want a blessing. We want, desperately, we need, we want to be blessed. 
the way we articulate what a blessing looks like can be so different from one person to the next. But we all want to be blessed. Maybe your blessing is to be recognized in, in sport or in, uh, in some other accomplishment, or whether it's to be loved, or whether it's to be recognized, or whether it's to be valued, we have written into us in some way a desperate need. I want you to recognize me. I want you to value me. I want you to give me recognition. I want you to bless me and mark me as somebody who is valued. Here's Jacob, who is... I think in, a, in a, a few hours is encapsulating his life and is encapsulating our lives. We want to be recognized. We want to be blessed. He spent his life looking for that. Look at what we actually read in verse 25. When the man, a man which Jacob little by little is realizing through the night, no matter what he, do, what he does, unlike his previous experiences, he can't defeat this man. But he keeps on, and he keeps on, and he keeps on, because he knows that there is blessing there. And verse 25 says this, When the man saw, this is the man who Jacob is wrestling with, saw that he could not overpower him. I think what he's actually saying there is that when he saw that he just kept keeping up, at him and keep at him and keep at him. Uh, some of you might know that I'm kind of developing a bit of an interest in rugby league. And uh, one of the things that they, you know, one of the cries from the terraces is get into them. Uh, and just that kind of relentless hit them again and again and again and just keep coming at them. That's kind of the spirit that we see in Jacob. It wasn't that, in fact, what we see is that the words can be a little bit confusing for us because the man saw that he could not overpower him. Actually, what he does next means that any moment he could have overpowered him in a, in a, a millisecond. But what it's actually saying is that he just keeps coming at him. He's just driving at him. He will not let go of the opportunity to be blessed. So he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. His hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. He dislocated effectively, dislocated and relocated his hip. If he was dislocated, he literally wouldn't be able to walk, but he, he dislocated and relocated, it seems, that that's what it's suggesting. And that is just a massive thing. But again, in this little picture of Jacob's life, a picture of our lives, we get another little indication, don't we? What do we know about Jacob in his wrestling and his fighting and his scheming up to now? Up to now, on every occasion, he's won. He got his mother, or his mother conspired with him to win the blessing from his father. He won the inheritance. He finally won the blessing of all of the flocks and all of the provisions from Laban. 
Again and again and again and again, we see that Jacob, in his wrestling up to now, he won. Not this time. Like that. Dislocated hip. Stopped in his tracks. He was coming at him and coming at him. And what we actually read now is that although he was coming at him and he couldn't now move, he just held on to him. Just gripped him. I'm not going to let you go. I can't defeat you, but I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. For the, I reckon for the first time in Jacob's experience, at least that's the suggestion that the narrator is bringing to us. For the first time, he doesn't win the struggle, the wrestle. Look at what happens after that. What it says in verse 29. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? (laughs) It's a great, great little uh, bit of um, narrative that, isn't it? Please tell me your name. Why? Why was the answer what it was? Why does Jacob say, please tell me your name? And the answer is, why do you ask my name? Because what the man is saying back to Jacob, and what Jacob is effectively through these words saying to us, is he knew all along who it was. You don't really need to ask my name. Why do you ask my name? You've been fighting with me all night for my blessing. You've been struggling with me literally all night for my blessing. And you're asking my name. Why do you do that? You know who I am, effectively, is what the man is saying. Why do you ask my name? In other words, what he's saying is this. Jacob, you would not have fought with me. You would not have wrestled with me all night unless you are absolutely convinced of who I am. You know who I am. Who is this, therefore? One of the things that the Bible gives us an indication into is this remarkable truth. You you will have heard that uh, probably the word Trinity, a way of describing God according to the Bible, That word Trinity is actually capturing the idea of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The idea of Trinity also captures the eternal nature of Father and Son and Holy Spirit. That God, for all eternity, before this world and after this world and during the time of this world, if you can have such a comparison of eternity and time, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always are. We need to lose the idea uh, and get rid of the misconception that Jesus began in Bethlehem. As soon as we understand that Jesus the Son made himself present in this world at that point in time, allowed us to see him in his person 
at that point in time, it opens up in our minds the potential that Jesus could make himself uh, present in this world at any moment that he wishes to. And so we see at this moment, who is it that that Jacob is wrestling with? He's wrestling with God. Who is God in human form? Jesus. He makes it really clear that that's who he understands. Because he says in verse 30, the very next day, uh, the very next verse, it's because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. He understands that. Who's he been wrestling with all night? He's been wrestling with the only person who could truly, truly bless him. That's why he didn't give up. That's why he didn't stop. Because he knew as soon as that first blow was landed, as soon as that first lock was put on him, that he had to keep going because this one was the only one who truly could bless him. He saw God face to face and lived. That, that actually introduces another idea to us, that the, 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 the God of the Old Testament, one of the things that we understand from the God of the Old Testament is that, you, that that God is so pure and so holy that we, can, we can't even lay our eyes on him in human form. We can't look on that God. That's why he says, I saw him and lived, because in, in, in our human uh, imperfection, it's like, it's like a match. It's like a match coming close to the sun. In an instant, it's consumed. It's gone. It's so overwhelming. Although in some sense they are similar in nature, the light at the end of a, of a match is similar in nature to the blazing sun, the difference is so incomparable. Although we are made in the image of God, although we bear something of the nature of God in the way that he has created us, we can't come close to God. And Jacob says, I've seen him and lived. You know, if we understand anything from this, it's this little idea that Jacob is throwing into the storyline of the Bible. There is a way to see God and live. And it is in one place only. It's in Jesus In fact, in seeing Jesus truly, we find life, is what Jacob is saying. Not only do we see him and live, we actually find life by truly seeing him, by truly knowing him. So what we actually see now is that Jacob calls for his blessing in verse 29. He says, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me? And Jesus Jesus says, why do you ask me? And then... He blessed him there. (laughs) Then he blessed him. Here's the paradox. In every other occasion where Jacob has wrestled and fought and schemed and won and he seems to be blessed, in a sense, he's always really lost. He's never really got that true blessing that he knows he needs. He's never really found it. He's never really had it delivered to him. And yet on this occasion, on this occasion, when he wrestles with Jesus throughout the night and he loses for the first time, he's actually truly blessed. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible, the, the change that takes place? He loses for the first time, and yet he's truly blessed for the first time. Imagine the difference. He's been seeking blessing in the temporary things of this world, things that last momentarily, a few years, half a lifetime, things that are so temporary. And now he receives a blessing which is eternal. An eternal blessing from the only one who can actually give him an eternal blessing, who who by definition can give you an eternal blessing. Only somebody who is eternal. By definition, surely. And yet the very moment where he, he loses, he gets the blessing from that eternal God. Isn't that amazing? And he realizes and he understands. And the sun, sun comes up and he limps away because of his hip. He limps away. And for the first time, maybe not for the... In his journey, I'll put it this way. In the journey of Jacob, here's his defining moment. Because for the first time, he has truly, really, deeply met with God. Let me suggest to you why this little text speaks to us today. For all of our defining moments, those things that we think are absolutely fundamental, absolutely crucial, absolutely life-changing, the defining moment in all of our lives is that moment when we encounter God. That's the moment. That's the really decisive, defining moment when we encounter God when we are confronted by God. Now, in that confrontation, some of us are not going to wrestle all night. Some of us are going to observe and walk away. But some are going to realize the potential of the, of the, of the confrontation with God are going to realize the potential of relationship, to realize the potential, this is the only one who can truly bless me. And no matter what it takes, I am not going to let go. I am not going to let go until he blesses me. That is absolutely my defining moment. Whatever that wrestle looks like, and it ain't going to look like this kind of wrestle, But all of our wrestles are effectively what Jacob experienced, which is this. It is taking the the kind of controlling hand and the security that he placed in all of everything around him, letting go of that security and accepting that the only true blessing that I can really receive is when I receive it from Jesus. There's two things that we notice. The first thing is that any encounter with God that is life-changing, it always marks us. It always marks us. 
Jacob says that he limps from his dislocated, relocated hip. I just I pondered, I wonder what a hip dislocation is like. Didn't try it. <laughs> I googled it instead. So Google dislocated hip and it says this, some of you all already know this, a traumatic hip dislocation, in other words, one that isn't because of some uh, problem with your structure, but a traumatic, something that's wrenched out, is an orthopedic emergency. Large forces are required to cause hip dislocation and this means that such injury may be associated with other life-threatening injuries and other fractures. The condition is extremely painful. Accurate and swift diagnosis means appropriate management can reduce morbidity. (laughs) Jacob was in a fight for his life, but he was marked from that day on because he had truly encountered God. You know, there are some marks, there are some scars... There are some experiences in life, for all that they might be ugly, they are astoundingly valuable. They are needed. And what Jacob experienced as he confronted Jesus himself was this, that for us to truly come to know him, there are marks and scars that we are going to bear that they might be grisly, but they are absolutely needed because they're knocking off our securities. They're knocking off our self-interest. They're knocking off all of the things that we depend on rather than depending on Him. And Jesus is willing and able to confront us with those absolute things that need to be ripped away from us that are going to leave scars. And Jacob, I reckon, in time, as as maybe the pain subsided, but he carried on limping. He's an older man by this stage. I reckon that every morning he got up and maybe he winced as he moved from his bed to try to stand up. But maybe every morning he got up as a reminder of when he truly met God when he truly was confronted by the living Jesus, when he truly, truly got to know him, and here's the amazing thing, that that very scar, that very injury, was not the mark of judgment, was it? It was the mark of blessing. Isn't that amazing? It was the mark of blessing. We look at these things in our lives and we think, how can it be? And the reality we can see is Romans 8.28 screams out where it says, all things work together for good for those who know God, for those who love Him, for those who are called, are called according to His purpose. All of these things work together for our good. We might not be able to understand it. They might leave us scarred. But the reality is God blesses us. They are for our good. You know, the reality is I don't think we ever really get to know God unless we're marked in some way. In fact, part of our experience is this, 
Jacob has let go by this moment of everything that he's seen as valuable, hasn't he? They've all gone over the brook. He's by himself. It's another moment where there's nothing left other than him and God. But he's understood this. I will keep hold of you until you bless me. Even though you dislocate my hip, I know that you will do me good. Here's the thing, folks. That's the God that the Bible portrays to us. A God who we desperately hold on to. A God who we do not let go of. A God who we will wrestle with. Because our wrestle is actually all of the, all of the personal self-indulgences and self-securities. They're the real things that are wrestling, aren't they? Jacob was getting this. He's, he's already prayed to God and laid himself out and said, I, I'm just, it's just you. You're the only one who can help me. And here's the other thing. He's renamed. <laughs> he gets a new name. You'll never be called, you're not going to be called Jacob from now on. We read in verse uh, 28, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. It just captures his life, doesn't it? You know, you've been struggling with me. You've been struggling with everybody around, but you've overcome, Jacob. You, you've, I've given you the grace. I've stayed with you. I've not let go of you. I've given you the strength. Here's the thing. I've given you the strength for the past eight hours to wrestle with me. You could never have wrestled with me throughout all of these hours unless I'd given you the strength. I've given you the strength to be a new person to be a new name. You know that the Bible says that that is exactly what we receive when we trust and we believe in Jesus. Read in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12, it says this, I will write it on them, the name of my God. I'll write it on them, the name of my God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. What name do you want? What name do you want? You know, there's a few names that, if we had certain names, it would unlock a few doors, wouldn't it? You know? Imagine going up to a restaurant and, um, and you know, you can't get in. Full up, posh restaurant. Um, what, what's your name? Oh, actually, it's Gates. Oh, do I know your dad? Yeah, you might have done. He's done a bit in computers. <laughs> Bill Gates. Do you think you'd get a place in the restaurant? I reckon you would, probably. It's down to the name. But when God writes his name on us, that's a blessing way beyond anything that we can ever imagine, isn't it? It's a blessing for eternity. He writes his name on us and he writes his name on Jacob at this point. You know, Jacob finally is growing up spiritually. It has taken years, decades for him to grow up. But ultimately, his growing up is rooted 
in coming face to face and knowing and understanding that blessing is only found in Jesus. And I reckon for all of us, no matter where we are, you might be coming along regularly and thinking about the idea of Christian faith. It might be totally new to you. I want to make a few things clear. Uh, This isn't a philosophy of a way to get a great life. I'll give you the heads up right now. Becoming a believer in Jesus does not necessarily make life easy. doesn't make life great. But it does mean that you're blessed by God. So that's the first thing to understand. Secondly, we need to understand this, that when we come to know that Jesus, when we come to see him, when we come to understand him, all of our growth, all of our maturing is always about coming back to, to, to who he is and understanding who he is and understanding who I am in relation to him and continually having him as my reshaping factor in my life. That's Jacob's battle. God has become really close now, hasn't he? Really personal. Can't get more, cl- more personal than to wrestle all night. I love that God is willing to deal with all of us according to our character. You know, some people need to wrestle all night with God for the blessing to be there. For others, it's not quite a wrestle that's needed. For others, it's coming broken and shattered. You think God's going to take that person and and wrestle with them all night, the great thing is he comes and he lifts and he encourages. People were amazed when they saw Jesus, we read. They were amazed when they saw him. When they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, they praised the God of Israel. You see, that's what Jesus pours out according to whatever we need to be reshaped. Spiritually broken, spiritually crippled, spiritually challenged, all of those pictures that those ideas convey to us is where Jesus meets us. I know that some of us actually need to be assaulted by God. We need to be dragged down and we need to be wrestled with and subdued And some of us probably need our hips out of joint in spiritual terms because we need to stop walking in our own strength and start to limp in his strength. But one of the things that we see is Jesus is prepared to meet us wherever we are. And that is great news.